Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the full moon in Sagittarius 3. Uh, I hope that you're all doing well out there. Uh, thank you for joining me today for this solo expedition. Uh, I am very happy to be joined by all of you. Please let me know in the chat box where you're joining me from today and uh, that you're here. I always love seeing all of your comments and all of your um, places that you're coming from, from around the world. So I really appreciate all of you being here today. Uh, I see a few friends that are stopping in already that I will shout out here as we get to it. Um, we're going to go on a deep dive of the Gemini 3 and the Sagittarius 3 archetypes. We're going to talk a little bit about some fixed stars today. We're going to do a tarot uh, examination and a, what else do we usually do on the show? We do the hexagram of the of the lunation and we're going to talk about an animal spirit as well. So um, that's that's on the agenda today. Um, but we've got some friends coming in. Jody is here. Jody says, hi, Spencer and friends. So glad this is today. I've been missing some things due to recent family issues. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Jody. I know everybody's going through some challenges today. This full moon feels like there's a lot of things going on for everybody and everybody's really busy and trying to, you know, handle a lot of things in our life. So um, I'm sending you some love and sending you good thoughts and whatnot. So hopefully everyone's able to kind of manage manage the business here. We've got Andrea uh, stopping in from Croatia. Hello, my friend. Uh, we have Remco joining us, excuse me, from the Netherlands. Hello, Remco. Eilish uh, is here from Dublin, Ireland. Fantastic. Uh, Jody is joining us from Florida. Uh, Susanna is here from Finland. Hello, Susanna. Uh, Henry is joining us from Kentucky. Hello, my friend. And Lynn is joining in from Vermont. We've got Taria coming in from rainy Finland. So we have a sunny, sunny Finland and a, and a rainy Finland. Um, <laughs> Lisa is here from New York. Hello, Lisa. Uh, Christopher is joining from Denver today. Cookerzilla is here, uh, which I believe is a nickname for your cat, which is very cool and dear to my heart. Uh, joining us from Mahone Bay, Nova Scotia. Um, another Tanya is here from Jacksonville, Florida, and Betty is joining us from El Paso, Texas. Very cool. I'm so excited that all of you are able to, to be with me here today. It's so nice just to see all your faces and to be able to, you know, go over some of these, some of this challenging astrology with all of you, right? I mean, sometimes we got some things where we're dealing with a lot of, a lot of things in the sky. But before we dive into it today, I just want to give you a few little business things here before we get going. Um, first of all, uh, if you are a fan of this channel and you, the first thing that you can do to support the work that I do here is make sure that you like this video. That helps the, the algorithm get out to more people. And if you're new here, welcome. And uh, please subscribe to the channel so that you can get notified when um, new videos will come out, new live streams. Uh, also, I encourage you to, to sign up for my email list as well. There's a link to that in the description of this video. That can help keep you up to date on all the offerings I have, including my webinars, my live streams, my Q&As, all sorts of things, anything that I'm coming up with here. Um, so make sure you do that. 
I also have a new Deccans webinar that is available to be signed up for. The Deccans of Cancer is now live on my site or in the link in the description of this video. You can use the code CANCER20 to get 20% off until July 1st. And you also can sign up for the, the summer bundle, the Deccans of Summer, which include Cancer, Leo, and Virgo. I'm going to be doing Cancer and Leo live, and I'm going to have a, a recording version of Virgo available to download with that bundle. Um, so I've, I'm almost through the 12 Deccan webinars, which is pretty exciting, and I'm excited to be doing that and to, uh, you know, maybe open my mind up for whatever is next as well. I'm excited about that also. Um, if you did miss the, any of the Deccan's webinars, including Gemini that I just did this past weekend, uh, that is available in the store link as well. You can download that in the store. All those files are available. You get Deccan flashcards along with that. You get uh, video, audio, slides, all my slides, uh, which are wordy, so you can read those. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very fun. They're very exciting. And we go uh, really in depth because I just can't help it. All right. So that's what I've got for the business. Um, if you'd like to make a material donation to the work I'm doing here today, there's a little dollar sign in the chat box. That's called a super chat or a super sticker. That is very much appreciated when I get donations in that regard. Or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. I also wanted to keep you in the loop here. I'm, I'm thinking about adding a another membership tier to my buy me a coffee page, which is sort of like a Patreon where you can support the work that I do. So I'm very open to suggestions for the, the $15 to $20 a month tier. I'm thinking about doing Q&As, uh, something with the, the book club that we were talking about. If there's other things that you think would be good perks for something like that, I'm, I'm very open to it. And I love hearing your ideas because after all, what am I here to do but be of service to you, really? That's really what this is all about for me. So I always love hearing from you. Okay, friends, um, Raven is stopping in today. Hello, Raven. Nice to see you. And I think, yeah, that, that's those, I think I got all the folks that stopped in and said hi. If you're joining us today or lurking, feel free to reach out. It's a really supportive community. It's really nice to hear uh, and see you here as well. All right, friends. So that's the business that I've got for today. Um, you, you may notice that I'm doing a, a, a lunar um, live stream solo today. And I thought it was really appropriate because this uh, full moon, the sun, is opposing the moon from, uh, we've got the sun in Gemini 3, we've got the moon in Sagittarius 3, and all of it's squaring Neptune. And one of the main themes that I think we have with Gemini 3 is the, the death of one twin. There's, there's these stories about one twin must die. Here's the ten of swords in my hand where you see somebody is like, uh, you know, laying on the ground, stabbed in the back ten times. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of significations with uh, all these spinning plates that we've been trying to keep keep going. And eventually we just have to let go of some of those options to be able to move forward with the thing that's most important to us. And I'll, I'll talk about that today. And uh, I, I think this is so appropriate because usually I do these lunations as like a, you know, a me and a guest. And for whatever reason this time, I reached out to a, a number of people and they, there was just a lot of obstacles to, to, to booking that this week. So it's okay. Sometimes that we'll have discussions. Sometimes you'll just get Spencer's brain unfiltered, and <laughs> some of you like that. So uh, you're still here today. So I, I really appreciate all that. And thank you to Christopher and 
a leash here for for your super chats that really warms my heart up and thank you so much for for kind of buying me a coffee here as well i, I appreciate that um carol is joining us and and another rachel is here today excellent okay so some of the themes that we're looking at for this full moon which is going to be happening i believe tomorrow uh we've got this full moon on uh let's see here sorry i'm pulling my notes up yeah we've got our full moon on june 14th tuesday june 14th 7 51 a.m eastern time uh and we are there's a couple things big picture thoughts that i have with this full moon to get right to it first of all the the moon is going to be out of bounds so that is a condition where the moon has a uh is outside of the normal path of the sun uh, there's this thing called declination which is if you see the arc of that the sun makes over the course of the year and how high that it will rise at noon there's this pathway that is about 23 degrees and 36 minutes of arc of declination north or south of the ecliptic which is the line that that sun traces and the moon is going to be outside of that for this full moon and we've already kind of dipped our toe into it today with the moon being out of bounds and the moon is usually out of bounds for about four days or so um, that i'm noticing when i've been adding this to my monthly forecast these out of bounds paying attention to that a little bit more and this is usually a time where our emotions start to really maybe swing from some of these wild extremes uh we we maybe just in our feelings a little bit more we may be pushing our bodies to extremes as well. Uh, the moon, traditionally related to the body and um, everything we do to nurture ourselves and take care of ourselves. And this is not, um, not surprising that this may be happening in conjunction with the moon being in Sagittarius three. I'm gonna show you a couple cards right off the bat that are associated with this opposition. So we've got the sun here in Gemini 3 with the Ten of Swords, which is called the Lord of Ruin in Book T in the Book of Toth. And then here we have the moon in Sagittarius 3, all right, which is called the Lord of Oppression. So we've got ruin and oppression. We've got someone who is trying to carry a great burden and get to the finish line. And here we have someone who just can't, can't carry any more burdens, right? So we're, we, we may be feeling like we're carrying all these burdens and trying to get something completed, but we've got so many different options that eventually we've got to let go of some of those sticks. We've got to let go of some of those options to be able to really do um, the, the priority that we have correctly, um, to do it to the best of our abilities. Um, and that's something that I've really noticed in my life too, is that when I try to juggle too many things, I ended up, I am doing none of them really well. Uh, so I've been trying to prioritize my list and say, what is most important to me in this moment, at this day, in this hour, um, because when you have a brain that's really active, like like mine is, you try to hold multiple thoughts at multiple at the same time, and that can be really exhausting. And I think that a lot of us have been going through that lately, trying to, you know, carry all these the weight of these different pathways as we try to move through our lives in Gemini season. I just, you know, I've been soaking in Gemini mythology. Gemini symbolism since I was doing my um, my Deccan's workshop and one of the things that really came up with Gemini for a couple things that I just wanted to reflect on with all of you today is that Gemini is probably I, I would think one of the most misunderstood signs in I, I would say pop astrology uh, 
the, the main thing that really sticks out to me is that in pop astrology, in modern pop astrology, we tend to ascribe this youthful, childlike quality to Gemini, which I do think is present. Um, some of that can be attributed to Hermes and his precociousness as a baby. Um, there are many myths that talk about him getting into all sorts of trouble as a, as a young child, um, playing tricks on people, creating a, a musical instrument out of, the, uh, out of a tortoise shell, stealing Apollo's cows, all of these things. He got into a lot of trouble, um, but was very skilled and was able to talk him his way out of it um, as, as a youth. Now, we also ascribe Gemini to the spring season in the Northern Hemisphere. And so we have this expansion of possibilities. I like to think of the, the bee pollinating things with Gemini. So we've got this pollination energy where we're visiting flowers, collecting little bits of information or material, but for the specific purpose of bringing it back to the hive to create something of value, to create something that will nourish us. So this is a, the one theme that I wanted to point out is that Gemini and Hermes, or Mercury in general, has a little bit of a ambiguous, amoral quality to it, where it, it a lot of the traditional texts talk about the ability of, of Mercury to, to kind of conform to whatever planet or house that it's in and its experience and how it's kind of taking on the energy of what it's coming into contact with. It, Mercury itself is fairly neutral. And I think that that's really important because Mercury, think of Mercury or Hermes as like just the, the raw intelligence, the raw skill that you have. And you can utilize that genius, that skill for good or for evil. And I think that we see that with mercurial signs, mercurial people is a lot of the times we can conform to the environments and the people that we're around. Um, and recognizing that can help us to say, well, maybe I, maybe my current milieu is inferior. Maybe I need to like run with a better crowd or maybe I need to surround myself with better habits and things like that. So those are some things to think about. Um, but also the need to connect with some sort of overarching philosophy, some sort of overarching goal that, that the Jupiterian sign of Sagittarius can provide, or, or Jupiter itself through Sagittarius, which would be more appropriate. So we need to really, really kind of unify all these different um, bifurcated attentions, splitting of attentions into something reunified. And I think that the exploration of Gemini is important um, but I also think that it's a, it's a temporary space. It's not something that we're going to, all these mutable signs are not some, some energy that we're just going to stick with forever. It's a, it's a visitation place where we're travelers through this space. And all of these mutable signs and all of these mutable times of year are these transitory times before we have new seasons. So here we're, we're having the transition between spring and summer. We're having the transition between the endless possibilities of spring and then eventually infusing that into a singular body, the, the fusion of consciousness and body that we see in cancer, which is ruled by the moon, the, the lunar body, um, so, that we can, so that we can nurture something to fruition. And as a Venus and Gemini person, that knowledge, that realization, that light bulb was really, was really something. Um, because a lot of times I, I like to say that I thought of myself as a, I aspired to be a Renaissance man when I was uh, younger. I studied in college. I studied. Um, I started as an art major, doing photography. Then I wanted to be a music major. 
And then I finally settled on creative writing. So I did art, music, and literature. <laughs> so just doing everything, philosophy. And I started a master's degree in comparative religion that, you know, eventually I, I ended up stopping in the middle of that to go do pursue professional music. But um, I just wanted to do everything, you know. And as a little kid, I wanted to be a professional athlete. It was just all of these things, very hermetic, you know, uh, polymath type of stuff. But but what I've realized as I as I get older is that we're you know that wanting to do everything, it's very difficult to do all those things really well at the same time, um, as much as we we pretend like we can. So I think that that's one of the things I wanted to lay as a foundation for this talk today, is that you know we have this splitting of attention, we have this exploration quality with Gemini, but eventually the 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 goal of that is to make a choice. And here with the Sun in Gemini three we have a choice that we need to make. And one of those options will survive and the other one might not. And it might not temporarily, it doesn't mean we can't circle back around to it later, but there's some kind of forced choice in, in the third decade of Gemini. And we may have to carry a really heavy burden. Uh, you know, Maybe it's of our own guilt, of our own shame, of, of the things that we just couldn't bring to life and bring to fruition. But when we come to terms with that, it's very liberating. Um, so I wanted to to share that as we as we started our journey today. Um, we also have a square with this lunation to Neptune in the third decan of Pisces. So that's another thing to consider is that we have some tension between you know our vision and what we you know kind of our I'll show you the card with this. We have this like <laughs> this this rainbow ten of cups happy family happily ever after type of experience and. Um, you know, we're trying to, we've got all these different options of how to create it. And we have all these different burdens of the reality of trying to bring it to fruition. And all of those things are pulling us into these, you know, into this, I don't know, anxiety, into this frustration, into eventually maybe into a collapse. Uh, that's something that T. Susan Chang talks about in her book, 36 Secrets, and along with Gemini 3 is that just collapsing under the weight of all of our thoughts, of all of our mind mind games that we're playing with ourselves and with others and things like that um yeah so it, it, it's uh it, it's very interesting to see um how tradition t looks at gemini versus modernity now the, the 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 other point i wanted to make beyond the youthful quality of spring is that in ancient egypt gemini was the last sign in the zodiac and and this decan that we're looking at that the sun is in right now gemini 3 was the last decan before the rebirth of the solar year so there that's why you see with the 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 rising sign of the thema mundi like the the philosophical natal chart of the world is cancer so that that was the time when the the when when some of these celestial bodies were passing through cancer when the river nile would start to the river valley of the Nile would start to flood and fertility would come back to the earth. So there is there is some qualities with like all of the repository, all of the second guessing. You know, we have the the regrets of the past, the fears of the future, all wrapped up in Gemini. And Gemini is placed on the twelfth house of the Thema Mundi, uh, which man, I'll tell you what, connecting the tarot with the houses of the Thema Mundi and the signs has been a really just very, very enlightening exercise. Um, some people may agree with that, that conflation, others may not, but for me, it's really been very, it's have, it has, div divinatory truth has come 
to me through that. And, you know, think of the 12th house as that place of self undoing, that place of, of pregnancy, of the time before birth. Okay, so you can think of that as the sign that was on the ascendant by diurnal motion before the ascending sign. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the, um, this myth, the myth of Ur. It's a platonic myth that we see in Plato that I feel is very heavily connected to the 12th house. And it's really about this soldier that has gone through death, and but somehow his body was preserved or his consciousness was preserved. He didn't go through the forgetting time. And he got to experience what it was like for souls going and traveling through the Elysium fields uh, and, and the process of choosing lots to incarnate into the next life. And he's witnessing people who had experienced maybe a, a less challenging previous life, the way of heaven, they describe it as, and people who had experienced much more uh, earthy, chthonic lifetimes where they had experienced some suffering and some pain. And the people who hadn't experienced that type of suffering chose, one individual chose the, uh, the life of a dictator where he had absolute power, but eventually had to learn that uh, he would be forced to eat his own children. So, <laughs> and because he may have not experienced like, you know, having to suffer through some of that, he made that type of choice. And it, to me, this is some of the experiences, personally having a 12th house son of Mercury that I think I experience a lot is the, the, the knowledge of the choices that we're faced with and the possible ramifications and, and regrets of choices we've already made. And I think that, um, you know, the, the major arcana card that's associated with Gemini is the lovers. And this, this card is all about choice. This is something that they describe a lot about moral and ethical choices that are involved with this card. So again, it's sort of about all of the anxiety that we might feel in Gemini season is because we're exploring all of these different possibilities, maybe these different lives that we want to live before incarnating into a body. I'm going to stress that because it, for those of you who had Gemini placements, a lot of the times we try to keep all these plates spinning and we try to do all these things at once. And really it, that exploration is for the specific purpose of choosing. And I think that sometimes we need permission to choose sometimes because sometimes we feel like if we're not being like little precocious baby Hermes and able to do everything well all the time, all at once that we're somehow a failure. And I think that that's sort of the, that, that, um, that Kakos daimon, that bad spirit of the 12th house that's chirping away at us and saying, you're not good enough. You're not, you're not able to do these things. And it's, it's really not true. It's, it's something that is inside our head and inside our minds. And once we start to quiet the mind, once we start to quiet that voice, we start to learn what is possible and what isn't. We start to forgive ourselves. We start to value ourselves, and that can really help us to release some of these challenges. So I just that was one of the kind of the I want to set the stage for this before we even start looking at the chart. So I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the chat box here and seeing all of your wonderful comments. I'm going to check through here. Um, Henry is saying finally a full moon in Sag with no nodes. Yes, that is that's very interesting, right? This is the first time we're not having the uh, 
the, the dragons, so to speak, the, the, the north and the south node of the moon, kind of shaking things up and uh, making them super intense. Uh, so that's a great point. Um, we have, let's see, Tarya is enjoying the solo show. Well, thank you, Tarya. Appreciate that. Uh, Henry says, Annabelle Gate on Twitter said about the Ten of Wands, sometimes it's better just to do it all yourself. <laughs> well, there you go. Here I am today carrying the, the, the weight of the world, as T. Susan Chang likes to call, to, to, to call this Deccan. Um, yeah, I, you know, at a certain point, I think that booking, booking guests for a show is a lot of work. Uh, for me personally, I, I really try to vet the people that come on the show because I have a, I have a goal when I do the work that I do, and the goal is kindness. The goal is uh, helping people, but also there's a certain standard of quality that I expect from the people that come on the show as well. And I, I really need to get to know someone and get to know their feel before I feel comfortable having um, having them on the show, but also subjecting my audience to them does that does that make sense it's more of a, a trying to protect all of you uh, on some level and it, that that relationship takes time to build and trying to do that for like four or five times it's just hard and it takes time and when and, and when people are you know they're understandably busy gemini is a, a we can't do everything and and coming on someone else's thing is, is it's a burden for the for the guests sometimes too so I have nothing but empathy for that, but at a certain point, you're like, all right, I've asked enough people. I just don't have time to do this. I have a webinar <laughs> to do this weekend. I'll just do it myself. And so, so that was the point that I got to. I had to drop some of those sticks. I had to drop one of the options. So I, I actually felt okay about it because I think it's really demonstrative of the energy of this full moon in particular. Okay, let's see. We've got people that are talking about liberal arts degrees. Yeah, I should have just went for that right in the beginning rather than switching all the time. Susanna is able to relate to wanting to do everything and too many choices with the ascendant ruler, uh, Saturn and Gemini. Yes, maybe feeling bound to it on some level as well, right? This blinding. Uh, Sarah is here. Sarah Renee Marshall. Hello, Sarah. Uh, joining us from Portland today. Um, I'm glad that we're able to you know, accompany you as you pump some iron Sagittarius style like during your workout uh, hopefully it's inspiring and you're working body and mind right uh, Urania Universe is here hello friend hello uh, Portia is that you hello nice to see you uh, we'll have to get you on the show here as well I've been really appreciating your work so uh, reach out to me maybe we can make something work with that um, let's see Devin is here hello Devin nice to see you my friend hope things are going well for you in Portland uh, Rachel says, this is my 12th house. I've had to turn things down lately just uh, that I knew were just not correct, the correct focus for this time. It made a lot of sense to me, but perhaps not to people on the outside. Absolutely, Rachel. And that's one of the things that you start to learn as you, um, as, as we practice boundaries and we practice self-love and self-care is that sometimes what is right for us is, is going to potentially maybe hurt someone's feelings um, or is just not what is right for them and that's okay you know and, and i think that clarity is really important I, I i had to have a really difficult conversation with another situation in my life this weekend that i was really worried about for a long time and really the the worry ended up being way worse than the actual conversation when we had the air clearing conversation it actually went really well and we were able to find solutions 
and it wasn't the the nightmare that I thought it was going to be and it was it was so liberating to be able to do that and and it came from clarity it came from stating what uh, my position was understanding and having empathy for the other person's position but saying hey this is the reality of the situation this is what what we have to do um and I think people appreciate that I think they appreciate that a lot more than people telling them something that isn't really true just to to make them feel better because eventually that'll blow up in your face so I think that that's really great self-care to be able to practice those type of boundaries you don't have to be a jerk about it you just you know you just say this hey this is where I'm at and can you come into alignment with that? And if not, it's okay. I respect your path. Okay. Uh, Jody says we have four planets and their dignities with this full moon. You are correct, Jody. Uh, we will t- pull up the chart in a second and break that down completely. But just off the top of my head, what do we have here? Saturn and Aquarius, Mars and Aries, Mercury in Gemini with this full moon. Uh, what, which one am I missing here, <laughs> Jody? Venus and Taurus. There you go. So yeah, we we have a lot of dignified planets right now, a lot of motion, uh, a lot of planets that have access to their own resources, which is pretty cool. That can make for, for some effective uh, things in our life. Uh, Lynn says, Gemini is my sixth house. Making decisions about all the sixth house topics is particularly hard for me. Makes sense now. Yes, anywhere that you have Gemini in your chart, maybe a place that you really chew on the different pathways, the different decisions and the the webinar that I did this weekend, we had a, a, a student who had Gemini in the fourth house and I asked her, do you have sometimes challenges thinking about all the different places you could live or, or all the different living environments? And, and her answer was something like, yeah, I actually live in like multiple places. I have, I have multiple places that are my kind of home bases and I, I constantly stress about it. So I thought that was, you know, we can find that in our chart, whatever area of life that may be expressing itself. Okay. Kate's saying that 12th house Mercury reminds me of messages from elsewhere. Yeah, I feel that sometimes. Like when I'm doing these shows, a lot of the times it's like a channeling experience and maybe some of these symbols just come out. And when I'm done, I don't even remember half of the things that I've said. So I can relate to that experience with 12th house Mercury. Uh, Jody is enjoying the solo show. Thank you, Jody. Glad you're here today. Lisa says, my daughter is deliberating over which college to attend. Lots of haggling and consternation. Yeah, that's a big decision because that's that's really what that's kind of deciding which type of life uh, that your daughter wants to incarnate into and what kind of future that she wants to build because it'll make a difference. So I would say that my advice when you have a decision like that is do your homework, but don't get stuck in the, that space. Eventually, there you know I, I believe now and I didn't believe this when I was younger, but every decision is going to kind of eventually bring you to a similar place, and you may learn from making quote unquote. The wrong choice and failing and it'll bring you back around to what is really appropriate to you or you may learn from making the right choice and having success and like oh that worked so all of it is information um, all of these decisions are information that can help us to get us closer and into alignment with whatever the Tao or the divine plan has for us and I think that that's a really important way to to look at it um let me see okay Portia is in. All right, Portia, we'll work on that. Yeah, check out uh, Urania Urania Universe on Instagram, I think. Portia, I believe, I don't exactly know how to say her last name, Bazani something, Bazani, I think that's it. You'll have to correct me when we meet in person here, Portia. But a big fan of what you're doing as well, so looking forward to that. Uh, Dee is here. Hello, Dee. Nice to see you, my friend, joining us from across the pond. 
Um, Carol says, Ascendant at 22 Sagittarius, looking for my next adventure. Well, this is going to be a big full moon for you, Carol, with this moon right on your ascendant, descendant axis. Remco says, uh, at Rachel, I get that. My moon is in the 12th right now. I was born on a full moon with in 12th Sag in the 12th. Yeah, I mean, if you're born on a full moon, you're having to carry these dualities and these contradictions and these things that may not always be able to be reconciled in perfect harmony. Um, so that's something that's a lifelong lesson. Uh, Raven says, Gemini is in my second house and I've been peddling my wares the past three weekends. This weekend, I had the opportunity for another market that I just, but I just don't have the energy. Well, there you go. See, you're, you're doing some of the things that you're supposed to be doing, right? Um, like with the, the focus of the sun in the second house, the awareness of, of a sense of purpose. But you've got to just pick something, do it to the best of your ability, and let go of some of those other options. And you're going to bring your full attention to those places that you can go to. And I think that's going to bring you the best results. Uh, Rachel says, we feel in, in our integrity with those kind of choices. Yes, absolutely. Integrity is really this wholeness between our inner experience and our outer experience. That's how I view it. And as we get more mature, as we learn more, hopefully we start to have more of a union between our inner and outer selves. And there's all sorts of reasons why we might split um, our expression. This is something else I, I talked about with Gemini. Is I think that there's a lot of trauma that, that comes in that sign of Gemini um, because of its association with the 12th house, because of its association with twin myths where one twin generally is mortal and one is immortal and there's a sense of loss and, and splitting of a sense of unity. And I, I think that the, the, the quote-unquote two-facedness we see with Gemini, the, the multiple personalities, somehow is a, a defense mechanism. I, I see it as a and I'm thinking of, and spoiler alert, I'll give the spoiler alert this time because I don't think I gave enough of a spoiler alert first. But if you've seen that show Moon Knight uh, on Disney+, Plus, the Marvel show Moon Knight, it talks about a gentleman, a superhero, that, that to survive some trauma in his youth had to split his, his expression, his personalities. And, and I do think that a lot of that is trauma-based. So if we, if we can pinpoint the trauma, eventually, hopefully, that awareness and that, that clarity can help us reunify those lost parts of ourselves, which you see in the myth of Sibylle and uh, Attis as well, which is Sibylle was a, a goddess that was born uh, intersexed, and, and the, the gods were so fearful of their power that they split off the phallus and it, and it fell to the ground and grew into this tree, and there was something going on with a nymph and an almond, and the nymph ate the almond and became pregnant with this little boy Attis, which was the other half of Sibylle, and, and they eventually fell in love and were reunited. So this search for the lost self, the reunification of self, I think is important with Gemini as well, and it can be very healing. Another thing I would say too is that one of the things I was learning in Gemini that I recognized that I sometimes do myself is that a lot of times when we're feeling inner turmoil, inner tension, we, instead of unifying that internally, we can lash out. And G Gemini sometimes has been uh, thought of as people who are wield words as weapons and, and sometimes can externalize and put some of our own trauma and project it onto others. And I think that that's another thing to be really careful of during this season is kind of owning our own stuff and trying not to project it onto our, our shadow selves or our shadow twin, because it's really easy to do. I've been guilty of it myself. I, I, I you know, it's a daily meditation and discipline to own your shit. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's hard to do, 
we we want something to rebel against we want something to fight against because it's it, it it's harder sometimes to to acknowledge the darkness that we have in ourselves um, it's easy to project it onto politics our political leaders to the other any kind of other we see that all the time and when we take personal responsibility uh, we can do less of that and i think it can really be uh, healing and helpful okay 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 i'm looking at this chat such a wow this is an awesome chat everyone this is great uh stars and harmony oracles here says i can relate to that i have 12th house mercury retrograde me too you are in the club and i do tarot readings messages from elsewhere absolutely right there with you there uh stars and harmony oracle um susanna says lying lynn lynn gemini uh, oh lynn at lynn gemini is also my sixth house and the lord of ascendant is there not the easiest house absolutely not there's a lot of stuff <laughs> all right i said porsche's name right uh good good i always like the my venus and gemini loves naming things and pronouncing things correctly so that's something that i i find a lot of joy in so i'll always ask for clarity with that and it feels good i think it, it feels good when people say our names right and want to uh when we hear something that is correct right it makes us feel good and acknowledged and seen um raven says raven sg anderson pointed out the last time that those four planets were in domicile was at the same time was in 1787 during the Constitutional Convention of the United States. Wow, that's big. That's big stuff, isn't it, Raven? That's a that's a pivotal moment in American history. I do think we're at another pivotal moment in American history. I, I think that we may be seeing, fingers crossed, potentially some more uh, common sense laws around, uh, you know, keeping people safe with gun control and things like that, and a moment where. Things have gotten so so crazy that that there's people have no choice. Even the most extreme people are saying, "Oh well, yeah, we need to we need to figure something out." Uh, so I, I, my fingers are crossed that we have something that will bring some balance and peace and, and sanity back to our environments, so that people are allowed to just feel safe in the normal spaces that they need to inhabit. Um, but we'll see. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a challenging time for for sure. Um, Betty Misa says, Sag Moon, 20 degrees, third house. Well, you're going to get it on that third house, ninth house axis, right? Ready for some moon rituals. I love the little butterfly, monarch butterfly. I have um, some pollinator plants in my yard, uh, some milkweed that's growing up, and I've been constantly checking for monarch uh, eggs because I hope that there will be monarch caterpillars on there. Um, okay, let's see what else. Uh, we've got people that are feeling that sixth house heaviness. Fionn says, Moon Knight was surprisingly great. It was great. I, I, it was a great show. I'm, I'm actually enjoying that a little bit more than the, than the new Obi-Wan show. I'm trying not to take a dump on it. Maybe it gets better, but uh, Moon, Moon Knight's been, been really good. Uh, I've been enjoying Stranger Things, uh, the fourth season of Stranger Things. And for shits and giggles, I've been watching Shorzy, which is a hockey show uh, that is from the Letterkenny folks, which I find very, very hilarious um it's it's a lot of like witty banter back and forth it's 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 really good if you like sort of intelligent banter i have to have it with the subtitles on because i don't want to miss any of their their quick verbal exchanges sort of like a his girl friday you know kind of like you know cary grant type of a exchange it's it's uh i really like jared kiso and his writing um so check that out let's see 
Um, Kate says my fifth, 11th house access is Sag, Gemini with the nodes there. And I have boy and girl twins. Oh, there you go. Right. So you're, you have physical embodiment of the, of the archetypal twins, right? Um, I bet that's fun. That's you got your hands full there, Kate. Remco says the God Janus also has two faces looking to the future and the past, a God that signifies gateways, always the first God invoked in Roman times. I, I like that, Remco. Janus is talked about a lot in J- Joy Usher's book, A Tiny Universe, for the representation of, of Saturn and the two houses that are next to each other, Aquarius and Capricorn. So one facing forward to the future and one facing back on some level. So check that out. Rachel says, this is an exquisite starry tea playing cameo role today. Is is this an exquisite starry tea? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know who the, who the starry who's the starry tea, Rachel. Is that me? Like, am I the cameo? Who, who, I guess we're just having this discussion here today. You'll have to clarify that a little bit more <laughs> for me. Um, okay. Well, lots of great comments here today. I love this. People are Stranger Things fans. Yeah, Kate Bush is having a moment, right? Uh, that's that song, um, "Running Up That Hill," is everywhere. It's, re- it's having its Saturn return thirty years later, which is is really cool. I'm, I'm really happy for her. She's a genius of the music world, and um, you know, really excited to see people get their due, especially when it's genius music like that. So, okay, I'm gonna pull the chart up, and let's take a look at this. But this chat is great. I, I love this. This. Uh, you all are my guests today, you know, that's the thing, like we're hive minding, uh, which is super fun. Okay, let's see. So what we've got today, friends, you can see on the chart here, June 14th, 2022, 7.51 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time uh, from my hometown of Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, we are looking at the sun at 23 degrees of Gemini, the moon at 23 degrees of Sagittarius. All of this is squaring Neptune. So here we've got Sun, Moon, Neptune. Okie doke. And what we are experiencing with this is, uh, let's see, this is going to bother me. Sorry. There we go. Boom. Okay. So what we've got here is an opposition between the Sun and the Moon, T squaring Uranus. We also have Saturn trying to help us out a little bit with a sextile. And as people were pointing out, we have Mercury in Gemini, Venus in Taurus, Mars in Aries, Saturn in Aquarius, all of them in their home home signs where they have access to their own resources, where they're more pure expressions of their individual planetary essences. We have the ability to think quickly and on our feet with Mercury and explore different pathways. We have a lot of questioning of our path right now. We have the ability to create harmony with the body and the spirit and create sensual uh, beauty and, and awareness and abundance with Venus in Taurus. We have the ability to sever from the collective right now to create a sense of personal sovereignty with Mars and Aries. And we have the responsibility to look at the bigger picture of our lives, to to change the old narratives, to look at things from a universal perspective and do what we consider as a collective, quote unquote, the right thing or even the more difficult thing and reviewing the structures, the, 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 the uh, idealistic structures that, that make up the fabric of our lives and our societies. So pretty interesting things going on there. Um, we're coming off 
a Venus Uranus conjunction in Taurus over the weekend and the final degrees of Mercury in Taurus, <laughs> the third decan of Taurus, which is really about fixing things that have gone wrong. And I've been fixing things. I had a really triumphant moment this last week where I fixed a dryer. <laughs> like I recently became, uh, you know, responsible for taking care of uh, a, basically a, a two unit place. And I had to fix this dryer. Um, and I, I looked it up, me and my partner looked it up and, and recognized that it was the the thermal fuse that had blown and we went in there opened the thing up replaced the thermal fuse for it was a five dollar part and the whole thing is running with amazing heat now and it was so triumphant it was kind of like screw you planned obsolescence and so that that felt really good so fixing things was something that we've been doing a lot of lately um the venus uranus conjunction gave us some things over the weekend where maybe we had some some abundance that came in that was unexpected maybe we had <laughs> something pleasurable that gave us a little bit more than we bargained for in my case uh i bought this uh we, we, we got this i'm sorry this is embarrassing but we we have this favorite place that we eat at in in my hometown of ypsilanti it's called malu's fried chicken and it is amazing. It is like super, super haughty fried chicken that is very like experimental and, and good. Um, I, I apologize to the vegetarians and the vegans out there. I tried my best to ethically source the, the, the meat that I eat. I was vegan and vegetarian at one point, but I tend to, I, I came full circle and said, you know what? All life is sacred. What is the, why is, would a plant be more, or an animal be more important than a plant's life? Um, I just have to kind of be as ethical as I can be with it. So that disclaimer aside, sorry. Um, I have this sandwich called the jerk, <laughs> like, which is which is this Caribbean jerk sandwich that, that only, they only have seasonally. And I was like, oh, that looks really good. And um, uh, it was a little bit spicier than I anticipated. So I was eating this ridiculously spicy sandwich. Um, while Venus was conjoining Uranus, this new experience that was like, oh my God, my stomach's like, what are you doing? It was Uranusing out. Um, so I, I, I paid the price for that a little bit. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that was my Venus-Uranus experience, but I digress. Okay, so we are looking at this time period here where we're coming off of that experience. We're coming off of Mercury in Taurus and we are we have all this planetary dignity we have the sun now co-present with its host mercury and we have jupiter uh being the host of the moon which it's making a trine to so the energy of this full moon i don't think it's super super negative i think it just may feel a little bit overwhelming we may be really trying to achieve a beautiful dream and it's hard to, to do all the things that are required of us to, to make that dream a reality. And we have to have some tough conversations. Um, the first aspect that this um, full moon is gonna make after it releases from what's called the bond is, is, the, is a square to Mars. So I'm gonna show you this real quick because this is something that I've been learning through traditional astrology, Hellenistic astrology in particular, is when we go and we look at a, a moon. You can kind of figure out what, whether it's going to be spicy or not by the first aspect that that moon makes when it when it releases from this condition called the bond, either a 15 degree conjunction with the sun or a 15 degree opposition on 
on each side of the conjunction or the opposition. So what we're looking at is when we want to look at what planet that the moon is going to aspect as it escapes the bond. So here we see the next day, all right, roughly we're going to be looking at the moon uh, when it gets outside of this 15 degree area here. So roughly in this chart, the moon is at eight or nine degrees of Capricorn. So that's outside the bond. So the next aspect it's actually making is a square to Mars. So you can see here, eventually the moon is moving through Capricorn and there is the first aspect it makes at 16 degrees of Capricorn, square Mars, right? On Wednesday, June the 15th. So the, the full moon brings revelations. It brings awarenesses of, of the burdens that, in this case, the burdens that we're carrying, the choices that we have to make. And as this moon is gonna escape the bond, we're going to come into contact with Mars, which is trying to create personal sovereignty. And the moon in Capricorn is in Capricorn two says, what cooperation do you need to, to do a grandiose project? This is the three of pentacles deck in where we're, we need the cooperation of the state. We need the cooperation of the artist that's designing it. We need the cooperation of the, uh, the clergy, right? The, to find out if what we're doing has meaning or, or reasonable meaning. That Deccan is also associated with a little bit of hubris where we may overshoot the mark a little bit. So just, I would say, be careful at this full moon. If you're trying to keep all of these things and all these plates spinning, you may find yourself uh, having to let go again of these things because you're not going to be able to carry everything to fruition. Pare the vision down. Make it much more reasonable to be able to, to move forward with this, okay? I think that that's the key to success at this point is not trying to do everything. Just do what you're going to do that's most important to you and do it well. And I think that can alleviate probably some of this moon Mars square because what's going to happen, I think, with this, this you know, aspect after the loosing of the bond is that uh, basically your body's just going to collapse. You're just going to be like, I can't, your body's not going to be able to just do it anymore. You're just pushing yourself too hard. You're, the, the anxiety is going to be too much and the body is going to react to the, the overabundance of mental stimulus as well. A lot of the times we have to recognize the body-mind connection. If we're constantly chewing on something and letting our body ruin our nervous system, eventually the body is going to shut down because that nervous system is what drives it forward. So, you know, feeling this anxiety and this overwhelm can lead to, you know, a mental burnout, exhaustion, forced period of rest. So that's my advice for you in the next couple of days that try to be conscious of that and, and let go of the things before you get to the, the, the uh, you know, that's splayed out on the floor in a, you know, having a mental burnout, anxiety, panic attack kind of situation, right? Uh, because you'll, you'll find yourself in a better situation if you know firsthand or beforehand that that might be a possibility. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the, I'm going to go back to the moon here. Um, the other thing that we talked about the moon being out of bounds, right? So we, we have to recognize also that our emotions may be going to and swinging to extremes. Uh, and we may be trying to force the body to do things that it isn't necessarily capable of. So uh, that's another thing to be aware of is that when the moon's out of bounds, we're just, we're not really following the rules anymore of what our bodies are normally used to. And we may think that we can do something that we, we really can't. And this is something that I've had to learn as I, I get into my, you know, fourth, fifth decade here in my 40s, 
which is not old. I know all of you get all up in arms when I describe that as middle-aged. Uh, it's all relative, right? And I guess you're only as young as you feel, but there's, there is some, there's some truth to having to be able to utilize your energy in a different way. I would say that just the main thing I've learned about aging is that I can do most of the things that I normally could have done when I was younger. I just have to pace myself better. I have to make sure I'm sleeping and stretching and eating right. And if I get off of those routines, I'm, it is harder for my body to recover. So this might be something with, you know, your recovery skills may be a little bit taxed um, if you're going to extremes with your body and you're not pacing yourself energetically. Okay. So we've talked about the myth of Ur. We've talked about the last decan of, of Gemini being the last decan in the Egyptian system before the rebirth into the body. Um, there are a few fixed stars that I wanted to just point out uh, with this as well. The, the, the sun in particular is going to be conjoining a fixed star called Alnilam. And Alnilam is in the belt of Orion. And Orion is a really very recognizable constellation. Okay, we've got We've got this uh, this energy here with El Nilum, and I'll draw you. I'll do my best to draw Orion for you. So here is what is this? That's I think that's Bellatrix. Or no, 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 no. Sorry, that's Bet Betelgeuse. Here's Bellatrix, the shoulders, right? And then you've got one knee, and here is the foot, Rigel. And then you've got this belt, okay? These three stars of the belt. And those of you who are sky watchers, you'll recognize this. It's one of the biggest constellations in the sky, right? And you've got like another star that's like kind of out here with a shield. And you know, you've got this arm that's going up like this, holding the club. You know, you get this connection here. And we've got this, yeah, I'm just drawing all this. Here's our constellation of Orion. And Alnilum, and then there's, if you draw it out this way, you've got this like kind of shield energy here, right? There's Orion, the hunter, right? And here's our three stars of the belt. Here's Alnilum, okay? It's a, it's a star right in the middle of the belt, a place of stability. It's a place of organization, Okay, that's holding things together, the centeredness. So th there may be some ability here to just really focus on what's important. Be steady and reliable in what you're doing, right? Uh, be a, be a, a bridge builder. Pay attention to the details, right? Hold, hold all of the, the different responsibilities that you have together through that contact with that fixed star, Alnilum. Uh, there's a number of fixed stars in this third decan of Gemini. I don't have time to go through all of them today, but check out my decans of web my Deccans of Gemini webinar, uh, to, to, I go through all 11 of the fixed stars in Gemini that, that Bernadette Brady identifies as having astrological significance, but pretty cool. So, so you've got just for, you know, shits and giggles, I believe this is Betelgeuse over here in the, the right arm, the one that has more empowerment. Bellatrix is right here, the one on the left arm, what we may learn through our, our surrendering. Um, and then, you know, you've, you've got the, this Orion is fighting this big bull in the sky, right? And you get all these stars over here in Gemini. But this, that, that's your basic Orion, uh, the hunter. You've got Rigel down here, which is the foot that's in the, st dipping its toe in the river of the Eurydonis and whatnot. Okay, I'm looking at the chat here. 
<laughs> Raven says, I need you to come fix my dryer now. Oh, you're funny, Raven. Um, I, you know, you're not the first person that has told me that this week. <laughs> so I have another friend that was like, you should come fix my dryer. Cause it, we had been putting up with it, just not drying very well for a while. And then eventually it just stopped drying altogether. So what the first thing I would recommend is there's a, a website called repairclinic.com where you can learn how to repair all sorts of different things. And we went on there, did a little bit of research, opened the thing up very easily, clean the lint traps out. That's the first thing I'll do and it will work a lot better. And then if you have an electronic tester, you can test all the different connections with the different fuses. That's super easy to do. It's a $15 tool. You can get it at a home supply store. And if one of them's not working, order the part off repairclinic.com put it back in you're good to go and i was lucky that that worked but it saved me having to replace it but um there's ways to fix things and i'm i'm enjoying that process my my virgo mars and (laughs) was like yay i fixed something so it's fun all right um henry says the venus on the north node has been insatiable yes our desires have been expanding right because that north node is the that hungry that hungry dragon the severed head of, of Rahu, of the demon or of the dragon that is thirsting for the elixir of life. So yeah, it may be hard to get a satisfaction with that, that connection. That's a good point, Henry. Um, Jody says, it's hard for me to recognize the constellations when I'm stargazing. I can only recognize the traditional, obviously visible ones. Well, I'll tell you what, Orion is one of the easiest ones. So, you know, you go out, if you're in a specific area of the world at a specific time and man, Orion, that's a hard one to miss. So um, it's really, really neat to see it too. It's just, it's a beautiful constellation. The stars are very bright. Um, I, I wish we had less light pollution where we could have more dark sky parks to be able to see them in all their glory because it really does give a sense of awe and wonder. Uh, Lynn says, Orion's Belt is one of the few constellation parts I can find, right? Yeah, it's, it's very recognizable, isn't it? Uh, Henry says, I'm hoping I memorize all the fixed stars someday. Gemini MC Golds. Well, Henry, if you keep watching this channel, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. See this one right here? This one's called Rigel. And this is where, where your friendly host's Venus is at about 16 degrees of Gemini. And I call this one the drinking from the fire hose star, where it's all about teaching, sharing information, but just like, just, just... <laughs> a river of information so by by joining me uh, on these journeys hopefully that will uh maybe you'll pick some stuff up all right okay all right one second as the sirens go by okay okay so any other comments i'm seeing here yes my jump my virgo placements have been geeking out fixing him with the anxiety of trying to when you when you finally uh are responsible for a 120 year old house uh you start to see all the things that now you are the one that have to fix and maintain and preserve against the ravages of time and it can be that's what i'm feeling with this uh full moon is like oh my god there's so many things but it's just pacing yourself and there's only so many things you can do in a day but i think consistently showing up and and doing the work is is how you can create success like that christopher says i just finished nightlight courses and found myself on maui looking at the clearest skies i've ever seen it was such a treat well christopher that's awesome i I would like to go to maui that sounds like fun actually my 
uh, my dad is going to Hawaii in a few weeks. This was a trip that they had been planning for many years pre-pandemic um, that I was actually supposed to go on, but but now I'm I've decided to do some other things. Uh, you know, I'm still not in take a plane to Hawaii uh, mode yet with with everything that's going on, but I'm, I'm sure it's beautiful, and I hope someday that I'll make it and see that beautiful paradise. Um, drinking from the fire hose, yes. Under <laughs> the fire truck sounds Remco says, yes, good point, my friend. And I say that fire hose thing, I, this is a story I love to tell. You've all heard it a little bit, I think, if you've followed along. But there's a movie called UHF where Michael Richards, who was, eventually would play Cosmo Kramer in Seinfeld, has a cable access TV show where he has these children dig around in this kiddie pool full of oatmeal for this marble. And he's like, you found the marble in the oatmeal. <laughs> he's like, you get to drink from the fire hose. And he sits these poor little kids on this hobby horse and blasts a fire hose into their mouth and <laughs> shoots them like 30 feet across this studio stage, which is what it feels like when you have a, a Rigel placement, I think, sometimes when you're trying to, you know, get all this information. Okay. Let's get back to the business here. Let's get back to business. Um, this is a, a very Gemini show where we have all these these digressions, but storytelling is fun. Um, so let's see what we've got here. Careful of overambition. That's that's really what we're talking about with this first aspect. Um, we're like trying to get cooperation to build our sovereign empires. Sagittarius three. Let's talk a little bit about the moon in Sagittarius three because this is important. We've got the the point of this the last decan of Gemini, where we, the last decan of the solar year before the sun changes direction. That's really important, and the sun begins to to rise slightly lower in the sky at noon in the northern hemisphere. So what happens is we, we there's many myths of a solar sacrifice that happens with the third decan of Gemini, which is really important. That this is where all this forced choice comes from. This is where this the death of one twin, the death of one choice. You could see this is the dark before the dawn, and the the you know the release of all that anxiety. So you know, in the converse is true with the last decan of Sagittarius. This is the last decan before the winter solstice, before the return of the light. So this is this is a place where we feel extreme fatigue because we've gone through this solar year and we're just like, oh, when will the sun, when will the light of the mind, the clarity come back? We're carrying this burden. I, I, I compare this, uh, this Deccan with, you see the 10 of wands here with this person carrying this great burden of sticks to a horse that is barn eager. And what I mean by that is you've got a horse that has been on a long journey and it's like, I just have one more mile to go. I'm starting to recognize familiar symbols. I just have to get that final burst of energy to get to the finish line. And they, they will, and when they get to the finish line, they just collapse from exhaustion. And many of you have probably felt that if you're a hiker or something like that. And we may be feeling that right now. We've got these hard choices and we just got to make that final burst to get over to the finish line. And then we get to take a break finally. All right. Um, D says, my Saturn is not far off, 14 degrees Gemini, late minutes. Uh, the most I know about Rigel is from the Marvel comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it even a starseed location? I don't know. <laughs> but but Marvel, Marvel is really uh, great for drawing upon mythological symbolism. And I think that there's actually, they, they have, a, I've learned a fair amount even just from comic books and from 
you know, them introducing those concepts, which I think it, we expand upon in our studies as well. So that's, that's really neat. Uh, Jody's asking about, can you touch upon the sun square Saturn? Well, of course, Jody, uh, we will, we will do that now. Um, so one thing I just want to, let me finish off the moon in, in Sagittarius here. So burnout, chronic stress, trying to carry a burden to finish your goal, um, determination to fill, to, to reach the goal or the finish line. It's okay for you to release some of that burden. My poor Sagittarius three, uh, son partner tends to carry every single burden until she just can't carry anything anymore. And, and part of my role is being her partner is to say, it's okay. It's all right. You don't have to do this. <laughs> just stop. Just go relax. <laughs> you know, like, and she still doesn't, but that's okay. Like <laughs> we've made this, so somehow we've made this agreement with one another. Um, but yes, it's, it's okay to let go of some of those sticks so that you don't like burn yourself out completely. Uh, thank you so much, Remco, for the super sticker. Um, let me let me get to this square Neptune, and then uh, Remco says, actually, this is a super chat, so this is cool. Is there anything better than Spencer geeking out and giggling like a little kid? Uh, thank you, my friend, for bringing us all together, each lunation. Well, thank you, Remco. I, I'm glad that you find my uh, <laughs> my digressions <laughs> fun. Sometimes I just am, you know, being silly on these shows, and I try to bring some levity to it because astrology can be really heavy. This is, some of this is really serious symbolism and, and we're going through such challenging times as a collective that if we can laugh at our, at our follies and, and at our challenges sometimes, that can, I think that can be the best medicine. So I, that's why I try to bring some of those things in there. And, and I always find that the funniest things are the most self-deprecating things. I don't, I don't like really making fun of other people if I can help it, but I will make fun of myself till the, till the, until <laughs> the horses come home, <laughs> the barn eagle horses uh, make it home, uh, if you, so to speak. All right. <clears throat> Let's see here. Uh, okay. Raven's got a question. I'm going to get to that, but first I'm going to touch on the square to, uh, to Neptune. So what we've got here, Neptune at 25 degrees of Pisces, that is preparing to station retrograde on the 28th of June. So Neptune is slowing down. Uh, Neptune is in the third decan of Pisces, which we're talking about is related to the 10 of cups card, which is sort of this card that shows a rainbow with 10 cups. Happy pride month, everybody. Uh, so we've got the, the, the pride rainbow here, uh, the which is an ephemeral symbol that is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a temporary beautiful thing right? It's this beautiful vision of what, what could be. And you've got this happy family dancing uh, in this beautiful pastoral scene. And I think that it's one of those things where that Deccan in particular is Mars ruled. It's a Mars ruled Deccan in a Jupiter sign. So Jupiter is about what is your expansive vision? How do you bring order to your world? How do you bring order through your imagination, through your, your, creative visualization. And Mars then goes on to say, what are you willing to sacrifice to bring that vision into reality? What crusade do you want to go on? Now, right now, the crusade in the collective in North America is protecting our children from being shot up at their elementary school. So things like gun control. So this is just the first thing that's popping into my head. So there, there are people that are crusading for that, those changes and there are people that, the misguided people that, that feel that that is not important and are crusading against it. 
So I think that that's, that's just one tangible example of how we have a choice that we have to make. We all feel exhausted with the moon in the last decade of Sagittarius, and we're trying our best to, to create this beautiful, safe vision of safety for as many people as possible. And we're feeling the tension, the push and the pull. And are our leaders going to step up and, and, and give the people what they want? There was a huge march that was on Washington for in support of common sense uh, gun regulations. And this could be another thing that could be reflected in that particular uh, square to Neptune. Now, on our personal lives and our personal experiences, we may have this experience where it's like we have choices in front of us, sun in, in Gemini 3. We are trying to keep everything together, sun on El Nilum. We feel really exhausted from the struggle, moon in Sagittarius 3. But all of those things, are, are we willing to sacrifice our body for the beautiful vision? And we have to be careful that we're not taxing our mind and our body for an illusion. Sometimes Neptune can bring in uh, some feelings of trying to do something that isn't even possible. It's, this is this transcendent vision that we're trying to achieve. So one thing that I think is important is leaning into the sextile to Saturn here, right? Leaning into that energy that says, hey, this is the reality check. This is what really needs to be done, and that's okay. If we acknowledge the limitations of our situation, we will be able to release some of the burdens that we're carrying in our mind. This is something that the I Ching uh, told us today. We have the hexagram number 60 for this, and I'll talk about that at the end of the show, but that, that hexagram translates to limitation and, and acknowledging the limits that we are living in in this material reality. So I think that's the way to, to work through that square with Neptune. Okay, I'm going down the list here. Remco, thank you for the super... Uh, okay, so we got to that. Got that, thank you. Um, D loves using superhero charts. I'd be curious to see that. That'd be awesome. I'd like to do the charts of superheroes. That'd be neat. Maybe you you could be a guest on this show and we could talk about superhero charts, D. I, I enjoyed being a guest on your channel, uh, Sun Child Tarot. Am I remembering that correctly? <laughs> I hope I am. But check out D, uh, Darren, a.k.a. Darren Burr, uh, at Sun Child Tarot um, on YouTube. Maybe we'll have him on as a guest because he's a, a, an insightful Piscean friend as well. Um, Raven says, is the releasing, okay, we got the Raven's question here. Is the releasing the bond different than loosing of the bond? I have heard both and always just assumed they are the same thing, but not realizing they are probably different. That is a great question, Raven, and a nice catch. Now, I'll have to think about that for a second. We have... Loosing of the bond is related to, I mean, I think that the, 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 the nomenclature have similar uh, roots. And those roots being related to Saturn's, like Saturnalia. Like when, you know, this time where you're, you're, you're releasing the bondage of Saturn. And when slaves became masters for a day and the masters became the slaves and there was this, this kind of Roman, I think it was Roman thing where they changed roles. It was, it was a, a really uh, kind of an interesting thing that was happening in that ancient time frame. So it's about, it's about being released from things that are oppressing you or, or keeping you within limitation. So loosing of the bond in zodiacal releasing is about 
releasing a certain time frame, releasing the and flipping the script on which planet has power. So what happens in loosening of the bond and in uh, loosing of the bond, sorry, in zodiacal releasing is that when you come full circle in one of these uh, Russian nesting doll cycles, there's like large periods and small cycles. When you come back around to the original sign in one of the smaller cycles, it actually flips to the opposite sign and planet. So that's that's what that's the loosing of the bond in zodiacal releasing. What we're talking about uh, with um, releasing from the bond in a lunation is the bondage that the moon feels when it is being kind of contained by the rays of the sun. So when it's a conjunction with the sun, it's whenever it's within 15 degrees of either side of the sun or 15 degrees of an opposition of the sun. So it's similar of like feeling like contained and limited, but it's a slightly different concept. So that's that's a really good catch there. And I hope that, that I explained that um, well. You can find more information on, I believe, both of those in both Chris Brennan's book, uh, Hellenistic Astrology. Um, what is it? What is the, the, the study of fate and fortune? That he talks about the loosing of the bond in the Zodiacal releasing. And then uh, Demetra George's book, Ancient Astrology in Theory and Practice, Volume 1, you can see uh, the, the the releasing of the bond of the moon in a lunation cycle. Okay, so there is that. Uh, Jody says, I just noticed I don't have Deccans inserted in my program, Solar Fire. Well, how do, how to do that? Um, yeah, we'll have to, fi- I'll, I'll have to help you with that. But this is Astro Gold, and you just go to preferences, and you can choose a different wheel uh, display. And I actually have a video of that on my channel of how to do that for Deccans and for term wheels. So check that out if you have Astro Gold. And thank you so much, Jody, for your super sticker. I appreciate you. Okay. Um, and Dee says, yes, Sunchild Tarot. You can see that in the in the uh, the chat here. Visit visit his channel. He's got some really great guests on there as well. Kate says, I love looking at the charts of actors, especially when exploring the archetype. Yeah, it, Kate, you're right. That that is a very um, edifying uh, exercise because really those actors are are. are you know, mythological storytelling, you know, archetypes at this point. And there's no coincidences that they get the roles that they do. And they're playing that out in their own life. And they, if they're cast well, they bring that type of energy to the character. So it's a really great way to study astrology, I think. And Kate says, looked up, looked up Bob Odenkirk because of Better Call Saul. Yeah, I bet he has some, some, uh, some placements that really reflect the roles that he's having to play out. Raven says, oh, yes, I see it now. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Raven. Yes. Yes. So good. We got, we cleared up that challenge. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to kind of go through some of the, a little bit of the, uh, the uh, aspects that are going to be happening after this full moon. Um, we can look at uh, a little bit at the last quarter moon. If you have any more questions, put them in the chat box. I love answering questions. I love teaching. Um, this is one of my favorite parts of this, this experience with all of you. And I guess that's one of the beauties of a solo show is there's, there is a little bit more time for interactions with, uh, with you in the chat and answering questions like that. So, um, it, But it, what I will say this is, is it is nice to share um, other viewpoints as well. I think it's easy to get wrapped up in our own viewpoint and our own 
<laughs> you know, high on our own supply. And I just really like uh, not only getting an, an alternate viewpoint, but just exposing our community to, to new voices and just sharing um, the, the, the wisdom and the beauty that we have in this very you know, diverse um, community. And people deserve to, to, to be highlighted and spotlighted. Uh, so I, that's one thing I really enjoy. I just love talking to people too, so it's great. Okay. So I'm going to clear off this Orion thing here, which it's not a bad, not a bad drawing, I don't think. But uh, and let's move the chart forward, and we're going to look here. We, we see our chart at uh, this is our full moon. We go forward, you know, a couple days. We're going to see the sun making a trine to Saturn. Okay. So after we've got the, the moon making the square to Mars, and maybe we have some kind of conflict about, you know, cooperating and individuality and things like that, then we get the reality check with Sun making contact with Saturn and saying, you know what, this needs to change. This story needs to change. That's what I'm thinking about with Saturn and the, the uh, third decan of Aquarius. Aquarius is like that glass ceiling that says, you know, here's the, the mental limitations that you have. And I think that if I bring it back to our big story in the news, there's this old narrative that, oh, we have these, these Second Amendment rights and we can't give those up. And well, I got news for you, folks. <laughs> that Constitution was written at a time where we didn't have uh, AR-15s. I don't think the founding fathers were like, uh, yeah, everybody should have a semi-automatic rifle whose only intention is to kill people. <laughs> like, they said that we were allowed to have a well-regulated militia, which basically means that it, it's regulated by the government. <laughs> so I think that that's, there may be some reality checks that come in um, with that, uh, I, I hope. Um, and I hope I, I am someone of, that, that preaches peace. So I think that that's another thing that I just pray for with all this is, is peace within it. But there may be, hopefully, something will, will come to fruition peacefully with that. So as we move forward in our just kind of our journey through this lunation cycle, on the 18th, we're going to have uh, those three days moving, like going up to the 18th or so, we're going to have Venus coming into applying to a square with Saturn. And I go over these aspects in depth in my astrology of June, but I'm just touching on it here so you kind of see what's, what's going to happen within this lunation cycle. So this is something where you know, Venus is going to be hitting that, that eclipse degree that we were experiencing over the last few months, um, very near the fixed star Algol. So this may be a point in your relationships or your desires or your artistic leanings, um, how you seek pleasure that is needing a reform. Okay, so our desires are going to need to be reformed. Um, this decade is about repentant prayers because of rash behavior in the past. So that, that litai, that those, um, those old hobbled women that followed behind eight or ruin that, that uh, necessitates repair. And when Venus is coming into a square with Saturn, there's, there's some limitations and some relationships that we have that we have to come to terms with, reality check with limitations. So this is something that, that we're going to probably get some sober conversations with our partners in our life with, about uh, our, the way that we pursue pleasure, about our desires and things of that nature. So expect that uh, immediately after the full moon. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And Henry's saying it's very divisive. And yeah, Henry's you're, you're in Kentucky, which is one of the, that's one of the, right? Kentucky, that's one of the most challenging states with this, this issue. It's talking about, it's very divisive and how to approach gun control probably has a lot to do with the Saturn retrograde and Aquarius story. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's tough. There's a lot of perspectives on it. And I think that there's, you know, in true Gemini style, we can try to view it from as many different directions as we possibly can. I just hope that some common sense things come into play. And I, I hope that uh, we're able to balance out what we perceive as our rights and our freedoms with um, just just keeping people safe. And at the end of the day, whatever works to keep the most amount of people safe, I think I'm in favor of. Uh, and people are going to disagree on what that looks like and, and what needs to be regulated and what doesn't and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, if we keep the essence of keeping people safe in our minds, then I think the solutions will become much more clear and apparent. Um, let's see. So that's I wanted to point out and make you aware of that square between Venus and Saturn, because that might that might lead to some challenging conversations as well and some reality checks. Uh, so so be aware that that's in the cards also. And then as we move forward to the 20th of June, we have a square between the moon and the sun. So this is our uh, last quarter moon right here. You can see the sun at 29 degrees of Gemini and the moon at 29 degrees of Pisces. And 29 degrees of Gemini is actually on that fixed star Betelgeuse or Betelgeuse that, that I was describing before, which is actually a fairly positive fixed star. Um, it's really about your attitude can create, your positive, enthusiastic attitude can create positive change and empowerment. So this is something where using your charisma, using your, your hope and your positivity and, and your, your own agency can help lead to successful outcomes. Now, with its square to the moon in the last degrees of Pisces, you know, this, that last degree of Pisces talks a lot about emotional extremes. Um, the daimon in that decan is Elpis, which translates to hope, but they talk a lot about the myth of Pandora in, that, in the literature surrounding that decan. And, and Pandora really brings us an awareness of, of all the, the ills of, of being human. But, you know, the last thing that was left in the jar was, was hope clinging to the, to the lid. So even if we're feeling burnt out, if we're feeling like we're going to emotional extremes, hang on to your positive attitude, to your hopefulness. Try not to get lost in a sense of morose or doom or despair especially at this last quarter moon, because it could be easy to do around this period of time, because I think that um, it's, it's going to be a challenging summer. Um, we're also kind of seeing Mars is going to start making an application pretty soon to Pluto by square throughout the, the beginning of July. So this is also something to keep aware of, that, and that's a difficult aspect that brings up all of our hidden junk through through trauma, through violence, through kidnapping, all these things come up. I remember the last time we had a Pluto uh, Mars, uh, I believe it was a Pluto Mars uh, contact a few years ago was when they started kidnapping protesters in Portland and just throwing them in unmarked vans. So I hope that that doesn't happen again, but um, there's some weird stuff going on uh, in the world right now. And, and we have to maintain our sense of hope that we are capable as a community to be able to tap into our better selves, our higher selves, and, and get along with each other, because eventually we're going to have to. Um, 
or we're not going to have a society that functions anymore. Um, Susanna says, question, pets belong to the sixth house, and it's rarely mentioned or talked about in astrological content. Pets are a big part of our lives. Can you talk about their relation to the house of sickness and slavery? That is a great question, Susanna, and I love animals. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, the place where I'm actually most active besides YouTube, you'll see a lot of my stories involve just cats, birds, uh, people being kind to animals. And I, I just, sometimes I, I like animals more than people. And there's an innocence to them that I think needs to be protected and supported. And uh, they, they, I share that love of nurturing something vulnerable. Um, so I try to bring some wholesome quality content <laughs> to that. Um, and as far as the sixth house goes, there is some debate. And I, I've, I feel like I've learned in nightlight astrology courses that a lot of astrologers will tend to think of pets in the modern context as associated with the fifth house, because we really think of them as our children now. And I would tend to agree with that. Um, I think in the past, small animals were... Uh, service animals like think I'm thinking of like a cat that you would keep in the barn to keep mice away from the grain um, or you'd have a dog that was a, a herding animal um, so they were they were people that did services for us they were you could think of them as like I mean they're sort of like our slaves we keep them in, in our houses and yes we treat them like kings but we 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 keep them domesticated right we keep them in a certain way that we want them to do what we want them to do. But I but I've, I think in a more modern context, I often look to the fifth house sometimes for pets, especially the way I treat my pets, which are like fur, furry babies, right? Um, and, and my partner has a funny joke about saying like, why do we call them furry babies? I mean, uh, someone that, you know, is going to get offended if I look at their <laughs> child and call them skin puppies <laughs> but uh but i digress once again um, so i hope that explains that susanna a lot of the times the chart as a divinatory oracle can answer different questions and and i know that we want a unified system that is the capital t truth but i think that if you entrain yourself to look for things in certain areas and use it consistently the chart will speak to you in that manner as well so if you entrain yourself to look at pets as fifth house i do think that it, there is a possibility that the your brain will rewire and give you those messages in that form okay uh, yeah kate thinks of children as fifth and the sixth because of the work <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and kate is laughing at my skin puppies oh oh that's people send you a picture of their <laughs> kid you're like that's a beautiful skin puppy <laughs> just, just doesn't ring the same it does it uh but anyway all right so that's our last quarter moon that we're seeing here and as we're moving through that cycle uh we will see the next day uh, an application to Venus to, to Pluto, okay, a trine from, from Venus in the last degrees of Taurus to Pluto in the last degrees of Capricorn. So maybe the difficult conversations that we had with Saturn in Aquarius uh, and the square will bring up some things from the underworld that will then be able to be regenerated, transformed, dealt with, uh, released, a cathartic release could happen after that square, and that could be very healing. 
Um, so think about it as going through that dark night of the soul, going into the underworld, but finding some treasure that will allow you to make a new start. Okay. Um, and after that contact with Pluto, then Venus moves into Gemini, and it will be in contact and applying to Mercury and Gemini. Um, so our things will lighten up potentially with that, but we may have many options. Maybe this Mars, I'm sorry, this Venus Saturn square causes some relationships to end potentially. And the Pluto is about the, the mourning of, and the, of the loss, but the healing through the mourning. And then maybe with Venus moving into Gemini, that, that liberation of the ending of a particular relationship will allow us to explore other options that we would not have normally uh, had we not had that ending. So that, that could be something that we're experiencing with that as well. Um, and then on the 28th, that's when Saturn, I'm sorry, then when Neptune, come on brain, that's when Neptune turns retrograde. It stations and it will be turning retrograde on the new moon in Cancer. You can see the new moon in Cancer here. So a number of astrologically significant things happening on the 28th of June. This new moon in the first decade of Cancer, Neptune moving uh, retrograde, and this new moon almost exactly squaring Jupiter. So when we get to this point, we'll, I think we'll probably have another guest for this. Uh, and then we will talk about you know, Jupiter in an overcoming square to that lunation, which generally I think is pretty positive when you have a benefic in an overcoming square to a lunation. It could still feel a little bit like hectic, but generally that's a, a positive uh, experience. But there may be a little bit of tension between your desire to, to individuate and your desire to have stability, security, and being nurtured in a certain way. So there, look for conversations regarding how you nurture yourself and others and how you set boundaries and, and nurture yourself. So there, there's going to be discussions about that as we move into June and July. All right. So I think that's the, the astrology that we've got. Any questions before we move forward? There's a lot of great questions here that we've had in the, in the chat today. Um, I believe we've gone, what, how long have we gone here? I love that all of you stick with me for all of these, these chats. We've, we're about the hour and a half mark here, which I think is a pretty good place to be for a solo show. Um, so I'm going to stop my share here. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to put them in the chat box. Remember, I've got about a 20 second delay here. Um, this is a good point in the show to say that if you are enjoying this show, make sure that you're smashing that like button you know, so that we can get the algorithm out there. I hate being the cliche, but it really does help get us out to, to more people and get these messages out to whoever needs to hear it at that moment. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe both to the channel and to my newsletter. That's a really great way to keep up to date with everything that's going on. And join me for the Decades of Cancer and the Summer Decades webinars. It's really fun doing that. Um, and keep your eyes peeled for um, potentially some new membership tiers coming down the pike uh, at buymeacoffee.com. Okay, was that everything? <laughs> I, get it all. <laughs> I have this, uh, this disdain for that, that type of communication. That's why I sort of make fun of it, but it is a necessary, I quote unquote, evil in these times with all of the different attention that we have being split. And yeah, you do need to keep the lights on and you do need to value yourself and, and be able to, uh, you know, make a living uh, doing this, or you're, what you're going to find is that you're, you're going to have to do something else that's going to take away from this work. And that's something that I've found 
trying to pursue my idealism of being an artist, of being a philosopher, of being an astrologer, all of those things. So thank you so much for all of your support. Um, and thank you for the super chats and the chat here today. It's really great. Carly is here. Hello, Carly. Nice to see you. Finally catching the tail end. Uh, yes, we've our West Coast friends joining us. This might be a little early for the West Coasters. This is why the European people like me that I try to do it in the, the, the middle so that the the early risers in the West Coast can find me and the and the people in the evenings on the in Europe and the can can participate as well. And it's hopefully early enough if there are people friends down under um, can join too, but it's pretty late for them. Okay, so to tie a bow on this today, as we are apt to do, we have an animal spirit because again, I love animals and I think that they're great uh, communicators, whether the, the animals that are in our lives or the animals that we pull through cards or through books or through whatever, um, they can be really instructive. So the animal that I pulled today was the guinea fowl, the guinea fowl. And I, I, I use this book, Animal Frequency, by Melissa Alvarez as my divination oracle for, um, for animals. I used to use Animal Speak by Ted Andrews, but there's, there's just more animals in this book, and I really like her descriptions of it. Uh, so the guinea fowl. If you're not familiar with the guinea fowl, they're these like, they look, oh, they're like these gray, bluish gray, like chicken looking animals they look like a cross between like a pheasant and a chicken and they have these like little dots that look like stars all over them that give them some maybe camouflage protection they have little like waddles on their or i guess little crests that are fleshy waddles like a turkey they look a little bit more like a turkey i guess um but they're very loud um i've i had some in my backyard when i lived on a rural farm-ish area that would just man they would You'd, be, you'd hear this this screech and you're like, what the hell is that? And then you look back and there's this like turkey looking guinea fowl type of thing. Um, and yes, Carly's pointing out that they're good because they eat ticks, which is one of the, the great um, symbolic things we can glean from this because uh, they are great for pest control. So they'll eat all the little bugs, they'll eat ticks, they'll eat like flies, they'll eat whatever they can find, right? So th this is, they talk about protection with the guinea fowl protection warnings there they are herd or flock animals so they try to stick together to protect one another and they call out these really extreme alarm calls so staying grounded sounding the alarm if you if you're having a problem in your life is important setting those healthy healthy boundaries working with a group and and being a part of a, a team can be really important too some of the challenging conversations i had in the last week had to do with teaming up with other people and shared resources and we really tried to see all of each other's perspectives. And when we were able to do that, we were, find, we were able to find a solution that I hope would work for everyone. These are social birds that can die of loneliness if they are separated from the flock. So make sure you're reaching out to the people in your life. I know it's been hard with the pandemic and we, it's, we have to get innovative to, to, to reach out to one another. Me in, in particular as well, I, I'm very hermetic in all of the senses of the world and, and very solitary. Um, but I love this connection that we have with each other over online. Like, even though I haven't been participating online or in person in like these conferences and things like that, um, I wish I could. I really enjoyed my time at UAC, but uh, I am finding that there was quite a significant COVID breakout uh, from the folks that attended Norwalk, and that was something that I was trying to avoid. 
And for some people, the risk was worth that because the, the risk to their mental health was too great staying alone and not having that community. So I understand that impulse. Um, but we have to find ways to connect with one another during these challenging times. And the guinea fowl talks about that. It also talks about retreating from a dangerous situation, um, really by any means necessary. The first instinct for a guinea fowl if they're threatened is to run away. If they can't run away, they, they will, you know, they've got, I believe they have spurs on their feet. They'll kick, they'll peck, they'll do whatever they need to do. So if you find yourself in a difficult situation that you can't escape from, you know, it, it's important to protect yourself and set those healthy boundaries by any means necessary, right? So that being said, the hexagram that we have for today is number 60. And this is called limitation, control, restriction, setting boundaries, self-control. And it's changing to hexagram number five, which is about patiently waiting, uh, biding your time, waiting for rain, nourishment and replenishment, but waiting with a plan. It's not just waiting and not doing anything. It's waiting and preparing, waiting with positive expectation rather than dread. So the changing line that we had is line number three. It says, no limitation, then lamentation, no blame. So this is really about having to deal with the consequences of not setting healthy boundaries. So if you have had a situation where you've just been trying to do too many things, you haven't set healthy boundaries with the people in your life, then here's the, the result of those actions. So knowing when to act and when to hold back, I'll read through some of my notes, self-limitation and control, self-control, those are character building things. A lot of the times we're fed this myth that we have to do it all. We have to be it all. We have to buy it all. And this is the type of the, the messaging that capitalistic societies pump you full of. And there's less messaging around, do more with less. Maybe don't buy this today. Maybe you don't have to do this because what advertising people are preying upon is your insecurity, that you may not be enough or that you may not be good enough or that you may not be doing enough. You may not be buying enough, that you may not be contributing to the GDP of the country enough. And it's all a lie, it's all dumb. It's all uh, designed to make you feel bad. And when you start seeing through that lie and you start realizing that you are enough just as the way that you are right now, and it's okay to say no, and it's in fact, it's healthy and necessary to say no, uh, your life can open up in ways that you, you can't imagine. Um, it, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. So working at being modest was something that I talked about. And I'm going to read a quote to you that I thought was really poignant. And this is actually a quote from a different hexagram, uh, number 15, called modesty or humility. And this is something that I pulled over the weekend to, when I was having my difficult conversation. And this was a guidance that really gave me a lot of clarity. And I'm going to read this quote. It says, this is from Jack M. Balkin's book, The Laws of Change, that, that is probably my favorite translation of the I Ching says, modesty does not mean submissiveness or passivity. A modest person may be quite active in the world, working steadily and unobtrusively, making commitments and living up to them. The text says that a mo the modest person carries things through to their conclusion. Why is this attitude modest? Is it because modest people do not think that they are more important? It is Oh, hold on a second. Why is it is because okay, it's not a question is it is because modest people do not think that they are more important than the work that they perform or the commitments that they have made to others. Let me repeat that. It's because the people do not think that they, that they are more important than the work that they perform or the commitments they have made to others. 
Therefore, they are consistent and reliable. Modest people do not regard anything that they must do as beneath them. Therefore, their pride does not get in the way of their success. They put their work, their obligations, and their commitments before their egos. This is why they are able to prevail in the long run. So it's really not about self-deprecating. It's not about like being modest is not saying that, oh, I'm, I'm meek. That's not what the, this is about in the I Ching. Modesty is saying there's something bigger than you and your commitment to it is, is, is the path to success. And in, this is why I work so hard at these live streams. This is something greater than me. This isn't about me. This is about service. And this is why I work so hard on these webinars. This webinar is not about me. I'm just a vessel. I'm just a channel for this information. And I hope that by putting these things down in public record, that it will be able to preserve these things against the ravages of time and pass them on as wisdom for generations to come. I hope that, that somehow, <laughs> even if we go through these post-apocalyptic changes, that people will find these archives of these ones and zeros and maybe learn something about how we were living at this time and maybe how to live in timelessness. Okay, so I think that that's a great way to think about this, this changing line. Um, the inability to set priorities can exhaust your energies. This is where we have to eliminate those distractions and make a choice. We have to give up one of the possibilities to breathe life into the other. Um, we don't want to become victims of past extravagances. Maybe this is part of our Venus in conjoining Uranus and the North Node is maybe we've been going a little, maybe <laughs> we've been getting sandwiches that are a little too spicy for our sensitive, you know, Cancerian digestive systems. And then you'll pay the consequences for that at various points. I've been watching a lot of Anthony Bourdain lately. I really love uh, no Reservations, Anthony Bourdain, one of my favorite shows. I love food. I love travel. I love seeing how other people live internationally. Um, I really miss him. I'm really sad the way that his life came to an end. And But i just so glad that he put that archive out there for generations to come because uh, it's just such a beautiful thing. But I could see when he's being offered this like crazy food sometimes that he's like, oh God, I'm going to have to digest this later, but I don't want to be rude. He had to eat like fermented shark in Iceland or something recently. And once that I, I, I watched and he was like, this is the worst food I've ever had in my life. But you could see the moment and he literally was commenting when he was offered it a second time, do I, do I choke this down or do I deny it and say, no, thank you. And he ultimately he ate it again to be polite because that was their, you know, wonderful national treasure of a food and sometimes you have to do that sometimes you have to choke something down that isn't taste very good and eventually be, you know to, to help you maintain harmony <laughs> like and other times you could just say you know what nope that, i'm done with that okay so curbing expectations uh, and expenditures of energy um learning from your past mistakes and taking you know responsibility for your actions i think is important with this hexagram and setting limits to your hope and expectations because of that square to Neptune. You know, we have this beautiful vision. We have this idealistic world that we're, you know, connecting to emotionally. And then that gets the thoughts of Gemini spinning. We have so many thoughts that aren't materialized. And then we feel the burden of bringing them into reality with that, that moon in Sagittarius. So one of the ways to, to get clear on that is to just let some of it go. 
right? Let something go. You don't have to carry the entire weight of it, right? Um, and I think that, that, that T. Susan Chang offers some really great solutions to the Ten of Swords in her book, 36 Secrets. One is that the next decan that happens is the Two of Cups, Cancer One. Surrender to love. Just open your heart to get out of your head and get out into your heart. And that can really, you know, unify, breathe life into that which wants to live. The most important priority in this moment. You can circle around back to the other things eventually, but if you've got something that's a priority in your life, just give it your full attention. And then explore, you know, like sometimes weigh your options and say, well, maybe there's a different location or goal. Maybe this goal isn't the one for me. And it's okay to say, you know, maybe a different location, a different goal, a different thing, different relationship, a different place is right for me. And that's that's what we see with the two of pentacles in the first decan of Capricorn. I'm looking through the chat box here, seeing your beautiful, beautiful comments. Kate says, value of your work is a big theme and what is sustainable. Well, thank you, Kate. I'm glad that I'm bringing value to the, the discussion here and adding something positive to the giant ocean of astrological material um yeah and carly's talking about guinea fowl eating ticks raven says i wish norwalk was more accessible this year and they had hybrid lectures me too raven because i attended norwalk virtually last year and i actually got a lot out of that i really i made friends some of which are, i think are here today uh, just from the online version and I, I really wish that they would make that accessible to more people by doing the hybrid because it's the travel is hard for some people. It's expensive. Um, I, it's a it's a fifteen hundred to twelve to two thousand dollar investment just to have, get in a hotel, to get a flight, to buy the conference. It's a lot. It's not available to everyone, and I do wish that they would um, do it do both so that the people that want to have the in person experience could have that, but the other people could also have some way to to connect as well. Um, but hopefully, we're creating some of that community here for you. Uh, Scarlet. Scarlet says it's been really difficult finding hope. I've lost much lately, especially the magic that you that life used to hold. I'm sorry, Scarlet. I'm sorry that you're struggling today. And I hope that just being here and just being seen and, and hearing some of the silliness that we can juxtapose some of the heaviness in life will bring you some peace and um, will help you keep going because this too shall pass. You know, even even though we have some difficult things that we're experiencing, the, the wheel continues to spin. I've gone through enormous suffering in my life, unspeakable things that I don't even talk about on this channel. And some of those things are beginning to shift and the hope got me through it. And trust me when I say that living with a 12th house sun and Mercury will show you some of the worst sides of humanity. And that hope is what brings you to the next day. And the ability to share those experiences can help you to realize that that suffering doesn't have to be meaningless. Because if you can share that and alleviate someone else's suffering, it was worthwhile. You know, it still was hard, but maybe it has, you can do something with it, positive with it, right? Okay. Uh, Beth, EK is here, says, this I Ching reading is spot on for what I'm experiencing through the Taurus Eclipse Points. Well, the I Ching doesn't beat around the bush. The I Ching is the most Saturnian oracle that I can think of. It, it just doesn't ever pull any punches. Um, it says, hey, get your, get your shit together. This is the reality. <laughs> I love it for that. I pull one every morning. 
Um, I do an I Ching every single morning to say, what's my hexagram for the day? Just so I can study it, learn it. I pull two tarot cards every day to study it, to learn it. Um, I pull an animal every day just so I can constantly be thinking about these things. And, and, and the repetition helps me, helps it to become an instinct. Uh, Jody says, Scarlet, oh, it's giving some support to Scarlet. Yeah, I always think when things are low, there's nowhere else to go but up. Exactly. And remember, we're at the dark night of the soul. Okay. We're at the last decan. This is the last difficult time before the return of love, the return of purpose and nurturing. So just hang in there. We're almost there. Got a couple weeks. You can do it, Scarlet. We're here for you. Um, let's see. Uh, Beth says, thank you, Spencer, for an amazing capacity to fill out the balloon of expanding knowledge and with the ability to bring it all back into a structure. It's a gift. Well, thank you, Beth. I, it's, it's, this was work that I, I think I've been preparing myself for for many decades, and it's so uh, validating to have a container for it and to have people that are a part of it and to be able to utilize uh, this type of mm, study, brain work, uh, you know, quirkiness, uh, for the benefit of my community. And I, I'm really grateful to be a part of it and grateful for all of you. It wouldn't be as worthwhile if it was just something that I was doing in my house and just for my own edification. It, it, it has meaning to me because it has meaning for you. Henry says, uh, this comes from a place of inner balance and security. Yes, we're trying to look for that today. And Henry also giving Scarlett, uh, boosting them, asking them not to lose hope. Raven loves Anthony Bardane. I know he's so great, isn't he? So, I miss him so much. He was a Cancer, Cancer Sun, Capricorn Moon, which we have a full moon in Capricorn coming in Cancer season this year. And unfortunately, Anthony Bourdain took his own life a few years ago. And um, I think he he was. I always I often ask people, what do you think it was? And I, I think that he struggled with seeing a world that was changing so much, and all these these beautiful traditions that people had just falling away. This is why we need to preserve them and the beauty of, of people's mastery and artistry. And I think that it was the world was just too much for him, the weight of the world. And I hope that uh, because we have each other, that we can work through that weight of the world and preserve some of these traditions, pass on these wisdoms and these beautiful things. So, because if we don't, no one will. We'll, we'll keep descending into madness. We are the ones that get to carry on the hope and carry on the, the, the mastery of beautiful food, beautiful symbols. Um, it's up to us. And if we don't do it, no one will. Okay. Uh, Jody says, sometimes you just have to say, no, I agree. Um, what's a hybrid? What is a hybrid, Jody? What are we talking about with a hybrid? What is that a reference to? Scarlett says, thank you so much for your wisdom and perspective. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here, Scarlett. You you matter, and your voice matters. So thank you for being here with us. Kate says, hey, Scarlett, sometimes I think of living in the face of life's losses in today's world, including the loss of hope, is an act of resilience and takes such courage. I agree, Kate. It is, it's courageous. It's a courageous act just to get out of bed sometimes every morning. And if that's the best you can do, well, that's the best you've done for today. And, you know, that's tomorrow's a new day, right? Um, okay. Oh, what 
Jody's asking about Norwalk and hybrid. What we were talking about with that is we were hoping that with these astrological conferences that we could have an in-person version of the conference where people were giving their talks in person and that they would potentially live stream them for people that couldn't join in person. Some people just can't. Some people have like compromised immune systems. Some people live too far away. Some people have financial situations that don't allow them to do the travel and all of those things. And it would be nice if we could, in addition to doing the in-person, do online at the same time. And I don't think that that's too much to ask. I know that, that a lot of times people want to charge more money for the in-person thing, but I think if you opened it up hybrid, people would, you could still charge the same for the conference. You just, you know, people would be saving the, the travel expenses. So you may actually make more money in the long run because you'd open it up to more people. Just a thought. <laughs> okay. Maybe we need to like ask for that as a community, as an astrological community. And I've done some work in conference planning. I've actually been kicking around the idea of eventually when things maybe settle down, trying to uh, reignite uh, some kind of conference in the Midwest that I think would be nice to do. Just tossing it out there to the universe. Maybe there's a way to do that eventually. But if I do it, it'll be hybrid. <laughs> anyway, well, friends, uh, when we've talked about these limitations, sometimes when you feel limited, uh, the best thing that you can do is set healthy boundaries around yourself rather than other people. And then wait until the, 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 the wheel spins and wait till the change happens. Because again, this too shall pass. And the things you're experiencing now, the pressures that you're experiencing now, they can't help but change. You know? and, and once they do, you'll feel some relief with that. So if you can wait patiently, but with hopeful and positive expectation, that can, that can make all the difference. If you wait in fear, and if you wait in anxiety, that can also change the outcome. So it doesn't, doesn't mean that we always can control every outcome, but I think uh, our attitude can make a big difference. And I've found that myself as well. All right, looking through the chat to finish up here. Uh, Lynn says, the extroverts will still go in person. Of course they will, and they should. And if that's what they need to feel supported, I, there's no, nothing wrong with that. And if they have made a risk assessment about whether that's appropriate for them, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, but the introverts would feel supported by being able to stay home. And I'm definitely on the introverts scale here. Uh, Karen says, Kia Oro from New Zealand. What is that, Karen? Uh, oh, is that, I have to think about what, what you're referring to there. Sorry. Raven says, I have to run. Thank you, Spencer. Lovely live stream. Thank you, Raven. Take care. We're wrapping it up here. So thank you for being here today. And Remco says, I would, I would try to present in person to that Midwest Astro Conference. Yeah, you come. I will invite you, Remco. I'd love to meet you in person and, and share a meal with you, my friend, and we'll break bread together. There is something about being in person that is very beautiful. Uh, and D says, that still leaves Norwalk out of many people's price range if online is full price. That's true. And maybe there's different ways to, to create a discount. We're just kicking around ideas here, indeed. See if we could find ways to make all these things more accessible for people. Um, the Irish community will have to come remotely. Yes, Rachel, exactly. Uh, Beth says an augmented reality version, maybe. <laughs> well, Saturn's going to be in Pisces pretty soon, so that's not out of the realm of possibility. And with Pluto moving into Aquarius, I think both of those things are probably on the car in the cards sooner than later. 
and all of the challenges that are involved with that uh, as well. There's going to be pluses, pros and cons, pluses and minuses with all of that. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, man. Sorry for choking through the last minutes of this. Uh, take care, Henry. Uh, and <coughs> excuse me. Greetings from New Zealand. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, cool. Kia, Kia Ora is is Maori for be well. Well, thank you, Karen. Thank you for joining us in, from New Zealand. I hope to. That is one place that I hope to visit someday. And thank you for that traditional greeting. That I'm learning something new every day. Uh, 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 someone I have a great deal of respect for, Mr. Aaron Cheek, is a native New Zealander, and I hope to be able to connect with all of you over there as well. Okay. So friends, that's what I've got for you today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing your voice and your light in the chat today as well. Um, again, please, if you want to show your support by hitting the like button, getting our message out to more people, subscribing to the channel and to the newsletter, please join me for the Decans of Cancer on July the 16th and the Decans of Leo on August the 20th. And we'll learn all of these things in depth together and, and have good discussions. Really appreciate all of you. Um, again, you matter. You are awesome. This too shall pass. Try not to get overwhelmed with the weight of the world right now. Um, it's temporary. Uh, and be, if you be kind to others, that can really grease the wheels. But most of all, be kind to yourself. Because a lot of the times when we're, we're lashing out, it's because we're really beating the, ourselves up. So make sure to be kind to yourself during this challenging time as well. Okay? All right, my friends. That's what I've got for you today. I love all of you. And I will see you soon. Okay? Peace.